welcome to Episode 8 of the Dayson Digest. This is Libby Dazashley, one of the Dayson Liaison Pharmacists and the Network Operations Director, and I'll be the host of this episode, where we're going to focus on some recent study results regarding use of an MRSA PCR nasal swab to help eliminate unnecessary empiric vancomycin use. This episode is being recorded on Friday, March 12th of 2021. And the paper we'll be discussing is entitled Discontinuation Patterns and Cost Avoidance of a Pharmacist-Driven MRSA Nasal PCR Testing Protocol for De-Escalation of Empiric Vancomycin for Suspected Pneumonia. This was published in Open Forum on Infectious Diseases on March 4th of this year. I know that unnecessary vancomycin use is near the top of the list for just about every day on hospital in terms of stewardship goals. I also know that many facilities have the MRSA nasal PCR technology readily available to them and have either already implemented or are considering implementing such a protocol. So I was very interested when we saw this article posted to try to provide some additional insight to these based on hospitals. I think this article is also unique and that it has the cost avoidance outcome that many have struggled to cost justify. And so I think there's some interesting data in this paper that will also help us with implementing this in our sites if we need to have a budget analysis or a cost justification in order to do this. This work was done at Stanford and it was part of an ongoing quality improvement project that was implemented in the middle of 2018. What the group did is a pre-post analysis where they looked at three months of data from 2017, I think May through August, and they had about 116 patients in that group and they compared it to 494 patients after they implemented their new PCR protocol. Um, and that was from the beginning of May of 2018 through the end of December of 2019. They identify this as a pharmacist-driven protocol, and so I really want to give you some of the details of what they did as part of the quality improvement work. This was a new protocol that was implemented, and the pharmacists were able to order the nasal PCR swab for any patient who was ordered vancomycin with the empiric indication of pneumonia entered at the time of order entry. At Stanford, like many of our Dayson hospitals, they require a reason for all antibiotic use an antibiotic indication at the time of order entry. And so it was easy to obtain the data and know that patients were being started for pneumonia. There were specific patients excluded from this protocol, and this included any patient with cystic fibrosis or those who had a truly undifferentiated cause of infection. They also would exclude a patient if they had an existing nasal MRSA PCR test performed within the last seven days or a respiratory culture or nasal culture in that same seven day period. So no repeats within seven days and no cystic fibrosis patients. But other than that, this was a broad stewardship intervention that could be ordered by any of the pharmacists caring for the patient. After the order was placed, the nurse would collect the sample and send it to the laboratory where they had availability of the PCR testing 24 hours a day and seven days a week. This resulted in a pretty quick turnaround time of only four to six hours for them to get the MRSA nasal PCR result back. The results of the MRSA PCR swab were placed in the chart and they were also part of routine stewardship pharmacist workflow. They would review these orders and then they would communicate the results either to the provider directly uh, because maybe they were talking about the vancomycin dosing, et cetera, or as part of routine handshake stewardship rounds. And I think that is something that's important to bring up is they, for the most part, integrated this into an existing 
and established stewardship intervention that was up and running at their facility. So there was already rapport between the pharmacists providing the recommendations and the teams because they were discussing all aspects of antibiotic use in these patients. And this wasn't a standalone contact just to communicate the MRSA nasal PCR results. Of the patients in which they performed the PCR, 41 of them in the post-PCR group had a positive result and were not eligible for vancomycin de-escalation. For those that were eligible and had a negative PCR result, they had an impressive acceptance rate of 70% for getting the vancomycin discontinued. And the average duration of vancomycin in that group was less than 24 hours, which is pretty quick. Of the patients where vancomycin was discontinued, they did track to see if any of the patients ultimately went on to develop a systemic or confirmed MRSA infection. And they had a single case of this where the patient had culture-confirmed pneumonia. It was documented four days after the negative MRSA nasal P uh, PCR screen. The patient also had bacteremia, but was successfully treated with a course of vancomycin at that time. Because this was conducted in California where there are very specific requirements for culture-based nasal screening, they were fortunate enough to have a subset of patients where they could compare the concordance rates between culture-based MRSA screening and the nasal PCR to look for other opportunities where there might have been inappropriate discontinuation of therapy. In this subset of 147 patients, six of them, or 4%, had discordant results. These were all cases of negative culture-based but positive PCR-based MRSA screens. And the two screens had to be within 30 days of each other. So it is entirely possible that in some of these patients, it was subsequent acquisition of MRSA and not failure of the culture-based screening methods that occurred. Another important outcome of the study was cost avoidance. In order to determine what the cost avoidance was associated with discontinuing vancomycin, they included very specific costs. So they calculated the number of vancomycin doses, the associated drug monitoring for vancomycin, and labor costs in patients before and after the implementation of the protocol. For vancomycin, they estimated this to be $15 per a one gram dose, and the serum concentrations at Stanford had a cost of $37. The PCR assay cassette was assigned a cost of $36. I actually found this interesting and had not thought of this before, but when we have worked with many sites within our network to try to justify the cost of this nasal PCR, the cost of that single cassette to do the test is equivalent to one vancomycin concentration. So the low cost of vancomycin doesn't really come to play. If we're able to eliminate a single vanc concentration, and in the case that was seen at Stanford, the majority of patients did have their vancomycin discontinued before any concentrations were drawn. That in and of itself would pay for the test. And then you are eliminating the unnecessary vancomycin use as well as saving the cost of the drug and any subsequent monitoring that would occur in these patients, which is important to point out. For labor costs, they assumed that it took about 30 minutes for a pharmacist to do the initial PK analysis for the vancomycin, and then 30 minutes of time for the phlebotomist to obtain the vancomycin concentration and process it. They used hourly wages from national standards in order to calculate this cost. What they found in terms of cost savings was, on average, about $40 per patient was saved when they were able to discontinue the vancomycin earlier but some important things to note. In their comparator group of vancomycin, they had a relatively short vancomycin therapy. In the pre-PCR group, it was only 1.98 days, so roughly two days 
on average of vancomycin. And that was dropped to about one and a half days in the post-PCR group. So they saved about a day of vancomycin per patient. So how does this look in Dason? I went and ran our numbers quickly and found that on average, when we start vancomycin in our patients, our duration of therapy is 3.25 days. So there might be an even greater opportunity to reduce overall vancomycin use if we were to implement it in hospitals that have pre-existing longer vancomycin durations. And I think that that is an important factor for us to consider. Another important aspect of this study was the fact that they had the availability of the nasal swab screening 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And this led to a very short turnaround time, as I previously mentioned. Interestingly, though, the authors at Stanford did an analysis of when they were actually making the discontinuation recommendations and having success. And only 4.3% of the time were these done between the hours of 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. This was because they did try to integrate it into those handshake stewardship rounds, which happened during the day when the primary team was present and it wasn't overnight covering providers that they were approaching. Even the authors identified this as a potential area for change in the protocol. And it was suggested that something that they were going to further evaluate was whether it would be possible to batch these swabs in the morning for any patient who was initiated on vancomycin overnight. So I don't want anyone to be discouraged by the 24-7 availability of this test in order to implement this at your facility. I, it seems like even at Stanford, they were considering going away from that approach because so much of it was happening during these routine stewardship rounds. I'll also say that that likely is a contributing factor to the high rate of acceptance for their stewardship interventions. And this is something to consider when you're designing your own intervention, or if you have an existing intervention that's not getting the results you hoped. The group at Stanford was wise to include discussion of this new test result and this new protocol in part of a pre-established existing stewardship intervention where there was already rapport between the stewardship team and the prescribers. This likely, again, led to a higher acceptance rate that's been reported in other experiences describing use of the nasal PCR to de-escalate vancomycin. Those have traditionally ranged between 45 and 65 percent. So something, if you're designing a protocol, I'd heavily encourage you to start with groups where there's already a strong stewardship rapport and a developed and established mechanism in order to communicate results and achieve de-escalation. The investigators also looked at other secondary outcomes, and they failed to find any differences in ho overall hospital length of stay, um, 30 or 90 day mortality, or any nephrotoxicity. Although you would think that if we eliminate exposure to vancomycin in these patients, we may see a decreased incidence of nephrotoxicity with time, but it would take a large sample size to demonstrate that. This article gives us one of the first cost estimates from a pharmacist-driven MRSA uh, nasal PCR testing protocol. And that may be helpful to many sites that are looking to try to cost-justify implementing such a novel approach. The supplemental material for this article that's available online also gives us many tools. There they include a copy of the actual protocol that was written. This is one of the shortest policies I've ever seen. Um, it's less than half a page long, but it is helpful if you wanna to try to design this. It's really straightforward. And I think because it doesn't include the pharmacist actually discontinuing the vancomycin in these patients, it can be quite brief and actually would make a nice amendment to any existing stewardship policy if it didn't need to be its own standalone policy. Interestingly, although they only included vancomycin in this analysis, they also used the MRSA PCR 
to help deescalate unnecessary linazolid. And I know that we have some hospitals where linazolid is being used preferentially if empiric pneumonia treatment, the covering MRSA is desired. So if you are one of those facilities, this may also be an opportunity there to help deescalate off of linazolid. Um, and that also has additional both financial um, drug-drug interaction and other implications associated with it that might be desirable to our hospitals. Overall, I thought this was a very interesting approach. I think this is something that I know we've been talking about with many of our DASON sites. And if you would like to learn more about this or implement this at your own hospital, I encourage you to reach out to your DASON liaison. If you would like a copy of the article, it's posted on the DASON website where you obtain the link to listen to this audio recording. We hope you've enjoyed it. Have a great day.